So excited that you're here. I won't go into that anymore because Pastor Kyle was already really excited for everyone here. We just, Sundays are our favorite day personally. It's our favorite day of the week. So always has been. I remember writing it in my journal when I was in middle school about how Sunday was my favorite day of the week and I felt like the weird kid because no one else liked Sunday as much as I did. But we are here again. And as some of you know, some of you maybe weren't here last week, we're currently in a series where we're teaming up with a bunch of other churches around the nation, maybe even the world, um, to go through this series called The Blessed Life because we want for all of you to be able to experience the blessed life that God has for you. And we're doing it as a video series. It is the only series that we will ever do like this because the pastor who is speaking this, he has been given a specific anointing and gifting as well as personal testimonies over like extraordinary testimonies over decades of how he has seen these principles work in his own life, in his church, with friends and family, people he knows. So he has a very unique anointing to this. And I can't just keep retelling his stories and be like, well, this pastor I heard of once on a TV had this really great testimony. You need to hear it from him. You need to hear it from him what um, it's all about. Well, last Easter, we always do this at Easter. We take a survey of things that you feel keep people from God or are barriers to them getting to know God or are personal stresses in your own life. And far and away, more than any other year this past year, personal finance was way up at the top. And that's another reason why we're dedicating a whole series to talking about money because you guys basically said, hey, personal finance, huge stressor, huge barrier for how I feel like people are trying to live for God or how I'm trying to live for God. And it's a barrier and it's a cause of stress for me. And so this is also not just kingdom principles, but kingdom money principles. And when you hear him talk about money, it's not just about money because Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you for where your treasure is there, your heart will be. So what Jesus is saying is when you hear me talk about money, I'm actually talking about your heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. So Jesus says that where your treasure is there, your heart is. So where we're, what we're doing with our money, the hold it has on our lives, that's actually talking about our heart issue. And Jesus is the one who linked those two together, not some random preacher making that up, right? Jesus linked together the heart and money so he can use it as a way to talk about our heart and get to our heart. Now, of course, anytime we talk about money, it's heavy and it's hard, but it's important because it speaks right to the heart. And again, it's something in our Easter survey that was asked for that we talk about because it is such a heavy issue for so many of us. And the more we receive and apply the Bible to our lives, not only in this topic, but in so many topics, the more blessed we uh, have. And I just think it's really cool that the kind of logo or the graphic art or whatever you want to say for this series is a cup that's being poured into to overflowing because Kyle and I really believe that God gave us this word overflow for this year, but we have to be in a position to receive and to apply God's principles in order for us to be able to overflow. I was at a conference a few weekends ago and it was actually spoken over me, something that lined up with this overflow. And I believe it was for me. I believe it was for Kyle. And I believe it was for this church, like threefold for all of the things. 
And it, it said there will be a season of overflow, but first there has to be a season of training and waiting and preparation. We have to have the season where we are allowing God room in the cup. We have to empty out the cup of the bad stuff first, right? We have to get it in order. We have to get it lined up, then receiving, then training and preparing, and then it can overflow. And these are principles that help us get that cup ready to be able to overflow the way God wants us to. When we put God first in everything, we are blessed. So let me pray for us to receive this word. Lord God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your purpose and your plan and this word that you've given over this church, both as a church body and as individuals who make up this church, that you are calling us to a season of overflow. But in that, we have to have a season of preparing. So today, even right now, with hands open, ready to receive what you have, we release anything that we hold on to that is not of you, any hurts, any perceptions, any wrong thinking, um, any biases, whatever the case may be, to only be open to what's of you, Holy Spirit, to what is a principle, God, that you have for us, not because you want anything from us, but because you want good for us. And I pray today that you would pour into us into a way that overflows. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to say welcome to all the campuses, and I want to say welcome to the churches that are joining us by simulcast. We welcome every weekend uh, gateway, but I'd like to just welcome them again. Can you welcome uh, 38 churches that are joining us by simulcast right now? So we're very grateful that you're here. And I want you to turn your Bibles to one passage of Scripture. We'll go through some others, but we'll just look at one, Exodus 13. We'll just go to one, uh, Exodus chapter 13. And uh, as you're getting to Exodus 13, let me just say this. This is, in my opinion, the most important message in the series. We're in the series called The Blessed Life, and this is probably the most important message in the series. The title of this message is The Principle of First. The Principle of First. And I want to make this statement. If God is first in your life, then everything will come into order. I'm not saying you won't have difficulties or problems or go through struggles. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. But would you rather go through tribulation with everything in order (laughs) or everything out of order? And hear me, if Jesus is first, if God's first, everything will come into order in your life. If he is not first, then nothing will come into order in your life. God has to be first for there to be order in your life. So I want to show you this principle because this principle is a principle that runs all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Here, so let's start Exodus chapter 13. Look at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. It is mine. It belongs to me. I wish that I could adequately explain to you how emphatic the language is in the Hebrew here, this phrase, it is mine. It is my property. It belongs to me. I'm the owner. It's extremely emphatic. It's very important to understand that when we talk about the principle of first. The firstborn 
he says, belongs to me. Okay, now look at verse 12. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Very similar language in the Hebrew, shall belong to God. They'll be the Lord's. But every firstborn, now we'll talk about this, of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Very important. A donkey will be redeemed with a lamb. Now watch this phrase. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. It's very important to understand that if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. And I want you to apply that as we talk about the first of our finances, the first 10%. He says, if you don't don't bring it to me, you're going to lose it. You're still going to lose it. It's going out of your account. Watch this. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. All right, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, that's a longer point than I normally have, and so we'll make sure and leave it up long enough for you to be able to, to write it down. The firstborn must be. There, there, there is, there, the, I, 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 I've prayed over this language before, uh, whether I should say it this way. But according to Scripture, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's the principle here in the Old Testament that is referring to a principle that goes all through the Bible. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, but how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives two animals which are exemplary of categories of animals. He he, he gives us the donkey and the lamb, okay? The donkey represents unclean animals and the lamb represents clean animals. So how do you know which to do? Well, if it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed, the firstborn. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Let me say that one more time. If it's clean, firstborn. I'm hoping you kind of get ahead of me on this and understand what this represents. If it's a clean and it's firstborn, it has to be sacrificed. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Okay, well, how in the world does this relate to us today? Well, let me ask you two, two questions, all right? First of all, were you and I spiritually born clean or unclean? In other words, when we were born in the natural, our spiritual state before God, were we born into this world, were we clean or unclean? unclean. We were all born in sin, right? I can prove it by simply asking the experts here, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? (laughs) Or did that come naturally for them? See, we have to teach them to be good. Is that right? Because we're all born with a sin nature. That's, That's what the Bible says, all right? So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Okay, listen to me. Listen very carefully. The clean, Jesus, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. (laughs) That's how important this principle is. 
And we're going to see that this principle refers to tithing, but I want to say something to you that maybe you've never thought of. Jesus is God's tithe. Because you see, you give the tithe first. You don't pay your bills and see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first. It's the first 10%. It's not just 10%. It's the first 10% because it takes faith to give the first. See, God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one before you have any more. You don't know if the sheep's going to produce anymore. That takes faith. God didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. No, he said, you give me the first one before you have any others. See, so many people think it's not the 10% that enacts the blessing, it's the faith that enacts the blessing. It's giving the first 10%. And the reason I say that Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. He didn't wait to see if we would clean up or straighten up to give his son. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. Romans says it this way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans also said this way, that God gave Jesus in hope, in hope. And that word, the root of that word is faith. In faith, we give our tithe in faith. So it's the first 10%. Think about this. When the children of Israel went into the the, uh, promised land, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of God. It's always into the house of God. That's always where the tithe goes. But why didn't he say 10% of Jericho? It's very simple, because Jericho was the first city. That's simple. He said, bring the first into the house of the Lord and the rest are redeemed. They're out from under the curse. They're blessed. See, the first portion has the redemptive, is the redemptive portion. Please hear me. When you give the first to God, the rest are redeemed. That's what this is saying. So hear me clearly. Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. The first portion, first 10% goes to God. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. Again, I want to just key in on these words, must be. According to this principle that works all through Scripture, the first fruits must be offered. You can stay there in Exodus 13. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase bonuses, everything. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay, this says to honor the Lord with the first of our increase. I just want to just make a note here. This is in Proverbs. This is not the law. This is not under the law. This is hundreds of years after the law. This is a principle that runs all through Scripture. Let me show you another Scripture, Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. I kind of like that phrase because it's like God is saying, listen closely if you don't know what first means. The first of your first fruits, of the first fruits of your land. Now watch these words. You shall bring 
That's an important word, bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, we, we saw last weekend about Malachi, he said, bring the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe always comes to the, to the church. You, don't, you can't divide your tithe. You can't designate your tithe. You can't give it somewhere else. But I want you to notice the word bring. The reason God uses the word bring instead of the word give when he talks about tithing is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You have two choices according to Scripture, and I know this is strong, but I've studied this for over 30 years now. You have two choices when it comes to the tithe according to Scripture. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are the only two choices. There's no other choice according to Scripture. They either brought it or they stole it. Remember when God said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho, that Achan kept some. And of course, the next city, then they lost the battle until they brought it to the house of God. But here was the point. In, in Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated or set apart. Same thing he called the firstborn. But in Joshua 7, once Achan took it, he said, Israel has stolen from me, and they're cursed. They're cursed. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God. It's cursed if you leave it in your bank account. Here's a real simple, straightforward question. Why would you want something cursed in your bank account? I mean, it has enough problems. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want your bank account blessed? See, it takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go farther than 100% cursed. It takes faith. So you give the first. Um, uh, when I was in college, one of the uh, students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor said, you know, I really don't know. And for some reason, I've always remembered that. But when the Lord showed me this principle of firstborn and firstfruits, it's you actually will see why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's. Watch Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say that he brought first fruits. He just brought an offering in the process of time. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected, or this word could be received, Abel and his offering. Notice the persons received too, not just the offering. But he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. It's, it's simple, isn't it? Cain was a farmer. He didn't bring first fruits. Abel was a rancher. He brought firstborn. God said, I'll accept that. I will not accept that. Then accept it. Now, I'm going to take you a little farther in this. And that is that it's not just that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. There are some things God can't do. God can't act outside of himself. He can't act outside of his character. One of the greatest studies you could ever do would be the attributes of God, to know who God really is. Okay, so let me, let me tell you a, a few things that God can't do. Uh, number one, God can't change. He can't change. This is called the immutability. This would be the doctrinal theological word, the immutability of God. It's impossible for God to change. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better, and God can't get better because he's perfect. 
So God can't change. Uh, the second thing God can't do, I'll just give you, give you some examples, is that God can't think the way we think. Now, I'll clarify that because we know the Bible talks about the thoughts of God, but that actually proves this theology. God can't think the way we think. Let me just, just uh, help us with this. Um, we, the reason God can't think the way we think is because this is, here's the theological word, omniscient. Omniscience, the omniscience of God. Break it down, it's two words, omni-science. Science means knowledge, omni means all. God has all knowledge. So the reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. Let, let me say it another way when we're talking about God's thoughts. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that. You know why? Because he knows everything at the same time. Hey, I have a, a new little thought on this. Uh, when we talk about that God, nothing's ever occurred to God, let me, let me say it another way. God has never heard something and said, oh, my self. I mean, he wouldn't say, oh, my God. He'd say, oh, my. okay, all right, so. <clears throat> so God, God can't think the way we think. Now, when I said God can't think, you might have remembered a scripture and thought, wait, there's a scripture talks about, uh-huh, that proves this. Here's what the scripture says in Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. As the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. That's what he's saying. Okay, so there's some things God can't do. Let me tell you how this relates to this. God can't be second. He can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. You know, you've heard of eminence, but God is preeminent. That means he's not only first of all, he's before all. He's higher than all. He's above all. He's first. He's before all. So God is first. Now, we, we, in our lives, we talk about putting God first, and that's good because we do need to put God first in our lives. But I just want you to know something. Even if God's not first in your life, he's still first. You didn't rearrange his order in the universe. He's still preeminent. So God can never be second. So this is why I'm telling you, the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because God's always first, and Cain did not bring a first offering. God said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't accept a second place offering because I'm always in first place. I can't accept it. Now, we need to think about that when it comes to the tithe. You remember uh, I said Jesus is God's tithe? And I said to you last weekend, because we talked about giving to, to the bride of Christ, and I said that tithing is probably more personal to Jesus than what we think. Okay, I want you to think about this. If Jesus is God's tithe, Tithing might be a little more personal to the Father also than what we think. See, it represents who's first in your life. You, you can, and I'm, again, I know these, some of the things I'm saying are strong, but you can tell me all day God's first in your life, but let me see your bank account. And I'll tell you who's first. It, it might be Nordstrom's. Okay, ladies, let me hit the guys. It might be Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> Where does the first 10% go? That's who's first. 
All right, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits must be offered. Here's point three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27:30 says, and all, I want you to notice the word all, and all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. There's the emphatic phrase again, belongs to God. It is, it, God set it apart for himself. And that's what the next phrase says. It is holy. That word holy is the word that simply means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. That's why it's stealing, because he set it apart to himself. And that's why it has to be first, because God's first and he owns it. So in, order, in other words, if we're going to return it, we have to return it first. Okay, so I'm going I'm to give you an illustration, um, and it's a math illustration, okay? So I'm warning you, so half of you can take a nap, all right? Um, I understand that. You're, you're strong in other subjects, math and English, I'm strong in those subjects. Uh, you know, I, I like gr- grammar, you know, and uh, someone who watches our television program sent me a, a thing that said, I am a little sign for me to hang up my house that said, I am silently correcting your grammar right now. And I said to Debbie, I said, look at this. Do you like this? She said, yeah, except uh, you don't do it silently. (laughs) So I like math and English. My father is actually a mathematical genius. And that's no exaggeration. He's a genius when it comes to that. I'm, I'm I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying if you, if you name some numbers, they're going to add up, and I'm, I'm not going to try to do it. It's just going to happen. That's the way I think. Um, we, we were, Debbie and I were buying something a while back, and it was $7.99. And the lady said, uh, I'll have to add the tax on the uh, calculator because the cash register's broken. And I said, it's 66 cents, like that. And she said, excuse me? I said, 66 cents. She looked at a minute, and then she did this. She said, uh, it's 66 cents. I won't say, yes, I know that, but I did. I said, okay, so paid for it. We got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? How, how do you do that that fast? Now, I thought she was actually asking me how I did it. <laughs> I found out later she couldn't care less how I did that. She was just, you know, paying me a compliment as a, a wife honoring her husband. But she asked, how do you do that? So I said, well, sugar, uh, $7.99 is close to 8 Our tax rate is 8.25. 8 times 8 is 64. Quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. <laughs> then she said, but I know what 25% off is. <laughs> so again, now being the man, you know, I, I'm thinking she's talking math. I did not realize until after the whole conversation she was not talking math. But I said to her, okay, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, I said, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, what? She said, yeah, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So it's free. It's 50% off, it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. 
which explains some difficulties we've had over the years with our checkbook. I saved us money today. You ever heard that one? <laughs> well, how come we lost? Okay, so, um, so I'm going to give you a math illustration, and so half of you can check out, all right, just for a moment. It's not a, a tough one either, right? Let's say that you're a landscaper, and you uh, come to our home, and Pastor Albert, um, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I call you, and I say, listen, uh, I'd like to add some trees and some plants and some Okay, let me make this uh, illustration realistic. Debbie would like to add some plants and some trees and some flowers and things, you know. And so you give me an estimate. You say, now, this is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. And my profit will be $1,000. You need to know the tithe is on the profit. It's not on all of this. It's on the increase, your personal increase, personal income. That's what we tithe on, okay? So... um, so you say, are you agreeable to this whole price? I say, yes, I am. So after you do the job, I pay for all your materials, all your labors, and then for your profit, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have $1,000 in your hand, okay? So this is the math part, right? So you have $1,000. Let me ask you two questions, all right? $1,000, the word tithe, remember, means 10%. So how much is the tithe? $100, all right? I know some of you still carry the, okay. But that's all right. That's okay. All right. So it's a hundred dollars. That's right. But you have 10 hundred dollar bills in your hand. So which one is the tithe? The first one. Yeah. Okay. The one on top. Someone said, all right, let me say it to you a different way. All right. It's the first one that leaves your hand. That's the tithe. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for utility, some for clothes. And here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. Because here's what a lot of people do. Okay, let me set aside some for this and this and this. And oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Can I say something nicely to you but firmly? He wouldn't accept it anyway. Because our God does not accept leftovers. Matter of fact, he says it in Malachi. He says, you bring me the blind and the, and the lame animals and I do not accept them. I accept the first. That's all I accept. Okay, so how, how does this work out in my own life? I get paid on the 15th and 30th, and, uh, or the last day of the month, 30th or 31st, and it's directly deposited. So it's like it magically appears, you know, in my account. So what I do on the 15th and the last day of the month is while I'm having my quiet time in the morning, before I do anything else, I go online, and, and that's the way now. I think it's just easiest to give online. I go online, and I uh, send the tithe to Gateway Church. And for us, many of you know, it's a double tithe. It's been since 1985. God spoke just to do 20% to the local church and then give over and above that. So for us, it goes to, and what we do, by the way, is to let you know 10% is the tithe. We give 10% extra to heart for the kingdom every year. So that's how we can kind of estimate it when we come to that part of the, of the year, which will be in, in a few months, we'll come to that part where we all get to make a commitment over and above our tithe. So we, I send that on the 15th and the 30th, okay? So what happens, though, if I, I, I have an early morning meeting and um, I kind of rush out, I don't have my quiet time that day, and I get home that night and I think, oh, it's the 15th, I, I forgot to do the tithe. And I go in and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, what I do? I don't say, oh, it's great, sugar, we're cursed. great. I mean, you gave the tithe to Kroger's, and so we're cursed now. No. 
because I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic either. I'm not trying to give you a legalistic principle today. I'm trying to give you a principle that's about your heart. Where's your heart? God knows my heart and he knows your heart. Where's your heart? So the first 10% goes to the house of God. Now, Exodus 13, let me show you one more scripture and, and then we're finished, all right? We stopped a while ago at verse 13, so let's pick it up at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Okay, in other words, he's saying one day your son's going to ask you, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, I want you to, let's just bring this up to modern day. Let's think about this. The son uh, goes away to college. He gets his degree. He comes back. His dad says, hey, one of the things I'll you do is take over the books. And so one day the son is sitting in there and he's got the books in front of him. Dad comes in from the field and the son says, uh, Dad, um, uh, sit down, Dad. Uh, you know, you asked me to, you know, take over the books and uh, the business and all. And Dad, I'm, 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 I've been going over the books. And um, Dad, um, I, want, I want to talk to you about something. Man. Um, you might not even know you do this. You know, Dad? Uh, we all have blind spots, you know, so not accusing you, just, just talking numbers now. Um, but Dad, um, every time uh, one of our animals has a, a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. And uh, Dad, uh, I think it's getting out of hand uh, with you because you, you, you killed 72 animals last year. And um, um, we're, we're in the ranching business, Dad. And uh, th th this is cutting into our profits. So wh wh why do you do that? He said, one day your son's going to ask you. And he said, when he asks you, you say to your son, son, um, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. But we weren't always in the ranching business. We, we did not own animals. We didn't own land. Son, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our increase. Now, this was written 4,000 years ago. And this principle happened to me. Uh, when Josh was kind of getting old enough to understand numbers and all and he has this mathematical mind like I do and like his grandfather and so one day I was paying the bills now we didn't have online back then and so what I would do is I would write the check first 
and then I would set the check, the tithe check, and then I would set it over the side, and then I would pay the bills. But I'd always write the tithe check first and set it over the side and then take it with me to church. By the way, for you young people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'd set it over the side. So I'm paying the bills, and Josh came in, and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. And he's reading this tithe check, and he sees the amount, which to a, a young boy looks like a lot of money. And he says, Dad, why are you giving so much to the church? And I remember this scripture, when your son asks you, this is what you tell him. And I took Josh and I actually set him on my lap and I said to him, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian son. And daddy was a very bad man. And daddy was in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my increase. This is a principle that's all through Scripture. It's called the principle of first. Is God first in your life? The principle of first. I remember when we watched this series a few years ago and Kyle and I were both challenged. We have our tithe automatically withdrawn the same day of the week that we automatically get direct deposited. And he talked about how he sat in his quiet time and gave it to the Lord as part of his prayer time. And we were so challenged by that. We we're like, should we take it off auto pay <laughs> so that we can make this more spiritual to us? Because no matter whether you're tithing now or it's new to you or you've been doing it for ages, at some time it might get old <laughs> or you think, what am I actually doing with that money? And part of this is for those of you who already tithe and have been tithing maybe for a long time, our prayers, this is an encouragement to you to remember why you're blessed. You're blessed because you've been bringing the tithes to God first. You're blessed because you've been giving it to Him already. But this principle of first, if you put God first, then the rest will be blessed. And we've talked about in our Pray First series, we talked about giving first 15 minutes to God, right? Let's give Him the first 15 minutes of our day. Let's pray at the beginning of the year. Let's pray at the beginning of the school year when we do it again. Um, we've talked about that in our prayer life, how much more so with our money, that it's not just what seems super spiritual, but also what seems very practical. But God didn't make us natural and supernatural. He made us spiritual for in everything. When He comes back, we're not just going to be floating spirits in heaven. We're going to have glorified physical bodies in a recreated physical earth. Everything is spiritual, so why not in money? If God is not first, the rest will never be in the right order. And if you apply it, it will completely change your life. 
We've seen God come through in our life so many times because we've chosen to trust him with the first 10%. And this is why, because God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have a cup that overflows. God wants you to be blessed and I want you to be blessed. We as your pastors, we want you to be blessed. We want you to be feeling the blessing that comes from him. And so we're praying this as an encouragement and maybe you're still learning and you didn't even know about this. You didn't know about the 10%. You didn't know about the principle of tithing or the principle of first. And we're gonna get into the principle of multiplication still to come. There's still more to come about the overflow that he wants, the blessing that he wants for us to be able to have with these principles. It's not just about the tithe. It's not just about the first. There's principles of multiplication and blessing and outpouring and overflow. But let's just go over one more time how this principle of first works. You can't ever afford not to put God first. Because like he said, either you're giving him the first 10 or it's cursed anyway and you're gonna lose it anyway. So would I rather live off of a blessed 90% or of a 90% in my own hands that has a curse on it? If we really believe what the Bible says, if we really believe in God's principles, we have to seriously ask ourselves that. It doesn't make sense according to man. But like he talked about, God thinks different than we do. But we've got to say and said, God, from now on, you're going to be first. You're going to be first in everything, including my money. You're going to be first. And that means everyone else and everything else is bumped down. It means my... Uh, date night line item is bumped down below God because God comes before even my marriage. It means that my legacy giving is bumped down because I give to God first even before I give to missions. It means that even my mortgage payment, oh, that's a hard one, right? is gonna be bumped down. It means that my kids' extracurricular activities is gonna be bumped down because ultimately, when they get to heaven, God's not gonna ask how many uh, soccer goals they scored. He's concerned about their heart. He's concerned about their spirit. And the rest is icing on top. The rest is the blessing. The rest is the overflow. The rest is what we get once we trust him and put him first and give him the first fruits. So once I bring you the tithe, God, because remember, it's bring it or steal it. Once I give you the tithe, then I'll pay the rent, the bills, the food, and all the little life accessories and luxuries on top of that because I'm going to trust you to work out the rest. We got to know that we trust God to give us more with 90%, to provide for us on 90% than we can on our own 100%. And I love there was a verse that he shared from Proverbs 3 and just a couple verses right before that verse he shared, I think it was Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 that he shared, just a couple verses before that was the first verse I ever memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust him. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not rely on your own understanding. Lean on God's understanding. How many times has your own understanding of a situation got you into trouble? or messed you up or it was wrong and you found out quick and painful but God's never let me down God's always proven faithful there was a friend of mine who we were talking she was struggling 
uh, personally, financially, even though she had a great job and a great life and, you know, things on the outside seemed to be going well, but she could never catch up on her finances. And so I just asked her, I wasn't sure if we were this type of friend or not because personal finance is a tricky one to talk about. But I just asked her, I'm like, well, you know, I know I'm a pastor or whatever, so this feels like a really churchy, Bible-y, Christian-y thing to say, but I just have to ask you, are you tithing? Are you tithing? And she was like, well, you know, we kind of got out of the habit. We were between churches. We were whatever. And it just is got out of the habit. And she came back to me a couple weeks later. She was like, Anna, we started tithing. I got a promotion and my husband got a great job at like one of the number one places to work in the nation. And it was like right after, now we don't always get those huge windows of heaven open immediately, right? Sometimes it's more subtle over a period of time where it shows up right when you need it the most. But it's real and it happens. I've never heard anyone say, I'm homeless because I just tithe way too much. I just tithe so much that I just cannot afford to pay. Never heard that testimony. (laughs) Never heard that one. But we've always heard that God provides for our day-to-day needs God gives us above and beyond when we need it. When we don't think we're going to make it, he shows up. It's a faith thing to put God first, but you will find that he's always faithful. You will find that he's always faithful. God gave Jesus before we got our act together. God gave Jesus while we were still sinners. He loves you. He loves you. And if you're wondering if Jesus loves you, I'm here to tell you he loves you. And he doesn't want from you. He wants for you but we have to follow his principles in order to receive what he wants for us. Jesus is the proof that God loves you. We were born in our sin, in bondage and slavery to sin. You've been there before. You have habits and hangups and hurts and unforgiveness that holds you back. And when we were still there, when we are still there, he sent his son to show his love, the firstborn son, I just love the thought, maybe giving the first is a little bit more personal to God because he gave his firstborn. Because Jesus, it's about giving to the bride, his bride. It's personal to God. And that means you, we are personal to him. Now, some of you didn't even know about this before. Some of you just needed this push, this reminder. Some are already doing this, but again, needed a reminder of why we're blessed. And if you love God, you can't help but want to respond to this message. What he, like even us, (laughs) to the point where we've been tithing consistently for years, so it's normal for us. But it's like, I want to do something more. I want to like now write a check. I don't even know if we have a checkbook during my prayer time, right? I want to do something more. I can't help but want to respond to God because of the way God responds to us, even in our sin. And I want to be that for God. I want to give to God. I want to bring, he's only asking for what's already his, but I want to do even more. So we're gonna pray in a moment for increased faith. Let's just pray right now, Lord Jesus. We know that yes, we love you. We want more of you. We want to do this, but God still there can be a struggle with faith. Still, there can be a struggle with faith to want to give first and not save it in case there's something left. And I pray right now for supernatural faith for each and every person sitting in here. Just like that that man in the Bible said to you, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's where many of us are at right now. And I pray that you would help us in our unbelief, help us in our lack of faith. 
Help us to have faith that is grown and strengthened in you, to trust that what you say is true, to trust that your ways are better than ours, to trust that we can lean on your understanding and not our own. I just pray right now that we would break off of our own understanding, that if there's a mental barrier here, that that would be broken off to be able to trust in you so that you can open the floodgates of heaven over our lives in every way that you can provide for our every need, that we would have ultimately more trust and relationship with you because of trusting you, because of free falling into you, because of being open and vulnerable, even with you, God, by following these principles, Lord Jesus. And I just pray also for anyone in this room who feels far from you, who's still lost in their sin and their hurt and their unforgiveness and they haven't put you in their life anywhere. They haven't started a relationship with you at all. I pray for those people right now that the Holy Spirit would come and soften their hearts and gently give their hearts a tug that this is their time to start this relationship with you. And with everyone's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if that's you today, who I was just praying for that is far from God and still struggling with sin and hurt and pain, but you want a relationship with the Jesus starting today. If that's you today, I'd love to give you the opportunity to raise your hand. Again, even our physical is spiritual to God. So this is just a first little step. We're not gonna call you out or embarrass you or anything like that. But if you felt that nudge to give your life over to the Lord today, on the count of three, I'm gonna give you that opportunity to raise your hand and make that first step. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, let's pray with those who are making this decision today. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the freedom that you offer me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up, but I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of this struggle. So today, forgive me of my sins. I want a new life with you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.